Whitney. I'm Danielle. And we are the founders of Sakara Life, on a mission to nourish your body and transform your life. Sakara is a Sanskrit word that describes the action of turning your thoughts into things and manifesting your reality. We believe that who we surround ourselves with, what we watch, what we listen to, what we eat, the information that we take in, impacts the way we think and therefore who we are. The conversations that follow are with bold thinkers who have had an impact on how we view the world, ourselves, and what it means to live the Saqqara life. The intention of these conversations is to push each of us to greater heights so that we can turn our thoughts into things and all shine our light a little brighter. We are so excited to be on this journey with you. Welcome to the Saqqara life. Also, please note we are recording from our homes via Zoom, so please forgive us for any sound issues. On today's episode of the Sakara Life podcast, we are excited to welcome back Dr. Aviva Ram. She is on our Sakara Science and Advisory Council, but is also a dear friend, a mentor, and advisor to us personally. She has shared her wisdom and knowledge with us through our pregnancies and through birth. So we wanted to bring her back onto the podcast. You might remember her from a previous episode, but to share some of that knowledge that she shared with us while we were going through fertility, pregnancy, and birth with all of you. In this episode, I also talk a bit about my own birth story as well. And we get into how important it is to feel empowered, no matter what your birth looks like, even if it doesn't go exactly as planned. Dr. Aviva Ram is both a midwife and an internal medicine and board certified family physician with specialties in integrative gynecology, obstetric and pediatrics, with a focus on women's endocrinology. That's women's hormones, if you know what we're talking about. She's also a world-renowned herbalist and a practitioner, teacher, activist, and advocate of both environmental health and women's reproductive rights and health. She has been bridging the best of traditional medicine, total health ecology, and good science for over three decades. Aviva practices medicine in both New York and Massachusetts. She is such a special, incredible woman, and we are so excited to welcome her back onto the podcast. Hope you enjoy. Well, first, I just want to say hi. Hi. It's so good to see your face. I know. I haven't seen you since you had your little person. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. You look beautiful. Thank you. (sighs) You know, it's been a wild ride for sure. But last I talked to you, you were in, you were like day or two before labor. I feel like all of our listeners are going to be like, why does Whitney just cry on the podcast all the time? But... I feel like going through Here birth. Here we go. And, I, <laughs> I love it. I love it. But going, you know, going through birth and being pregnant, I think it, just like what it does to your hormones, it puts you in this really open state. Like it just, it opens your heart and it makes you so that you can really fully love and care for another being the way that a little baby needs to be cared for. So mm-hmm. Even just thinking about it and talking about it and seeing you, it makes me (sighs) just so emotional and so just like filled with love and gratitude. So, so happy to be talking to you today. So happy to be talking to you too. And, you know, I think we had a really great episode with you before. So anybody listening, if you haven't listened to it, go back, listen to that other episode with Dr. Viva Ram. And so we're so happy to have you back. And you have been one of the longest members on our Science and Advisory Council for Saqqara. You're a dear friend, one of our sisters. And we just, Danielle and I both feel so lucky to have you in our circle of wisdom and friendship and all of that knowledge that you have when we've been going through fertility journeys and pregnancy and birth and postpartum and you've shared so much information with us and care but just so much knowledge and we feel like what an amazing 
privilege it is to have that. And so today, bringing you back on, we are just wanting to continue to share your knowledge and wisdom like the, that we get from you with our community and with our listeners. Thank you, Whitney. I You're going to make me cry too. I um, <laughs> I feel so much the same way. I feel so grateful to have both of you in my life as sisters, friends, and I look to you as role models too. I mean, I learned so much from how you are in the world and what you've created, which is a phenomenal woman-owned and largely woman-centered business. So I learned so much and it's like a love fest here for real. It is. For real. So in our last episode, we asked you the question that we ask everybody when they come on the Sakara Life podcast, which is, what is your mission here on earth? And now we're in 2021. We made it through 2020. And 2020, it was a big year, a lot of changes. And I'm just curious, has that experience changed your mission at all? How are you feeling these days? What What is on your mind when it comes to your mission? Yeah, I mean, so my mission is really almost more crystallized about democratizing and demystifying women's health. But even more than ever, I feel so called to be someone that other women can lean on for support and a safe space and to know that they're not alone going through any of it, like motherhood journey health journey, but just life journey right now. It can feel like such an isolating time. So more than ever, I'm just so committed to continuing to show up, bring community together, and just be an abundant source of generosity. Yeah. And I I really feel that, especially lately when I've been going on your Instagram account, just the amazing community support that is going on there with your posts and between your followers, talking to each other, sharing ideas and, and just support for each other. And mm. it's amazing now that we have technology that we have like social media and these podcasts and things to share this information, because I don't know what, you know, when you were having babies, where were you getting your information from? Yeah, I mean, I largely had to look to the couple of few books that were out there, a couple of mentors. I was really fortunate. Um, you know, I was so young when I got into midwifery that by the time I was having my babies a few years later, I had already established some connections, but they were with people like Ina May Gaskin or Janine Parvati Baker, who wrote the first ever prenatal yoga book in like 1978. So I had just a few people to look toward. There was a woman named Sheila Kitzinger who's now passed. She She'd probably be 100 now, but she was a childbirth educator in the UK. I look a very kind of like Julia Childs woman, you know, <laughs> and she, um, but she wrote phenomenal books about trusting our, our inner being. And so I looked to those books. I looked to the few midwives I knew and I had to do a lot of inward looking. Fortunately mm. for me, my own birth story in the sense that like my grandmother had her children without any complications pretty naturally. My great-grandmother had my grandfather born at home. I mean, that was in 1912. And then my mom, she's funny. She's like this very early feminist. And she would always brag about how, you know, I went into labor two hours after I was playing softball and I had you in four hours. So my inner birth story mm. was that birth is okay. Like it's part of the flow of life. And that I think really helped a lot too. Yeah, that's so interesting around even just observing what are your own stories around birth. And, you know, this is, I think this is a great conversation that we're going to have for a woman in any stage of life. I think that while we're going to be mostly talking about that stage in a woman's life, when she's thinking about getting pregnant, when she is pregnant, when she's had a baby, but even just that, what you're talking about of reflecting on what are the stories that we have going on in our minds that come from our mothers, that come from our grandmothers, of you know, that are passed down, of things that are easier, things that are difficult. And my mother had my sister and me both in the hospital in Flagstaff here in Arizona. And 
she did it with no epidural or anything, just natural, but in the hospital. And so I think I went into it with that in mind of knowing that she was able to give birth naturally and twice and that it was really doable and having a number of friends tell me like, this is absolutely doable. Don't be scared of it. So I just, I think I had that mindset as well. And it was really helpful also. Yeah. Having a circle of support. It's, I I jokingly say that I don't know what it is, but it seems like when a woman gets pregnant, she suddenly has this flashing light on her that seems to tell other people like, come up to me and tell me your worst birth story. And I don't know, it's just like, I always tell my pregnant clients and now patients like, just put your hand up, kind of look away and be like, I really don't want to hear this. Like even adding to that, surrounding yourself with people who do see birth a different way than the dominant culture sees birth. And it's not a judgment if someone does get an epidural or have a C-section or have their baby in the hospital, but just to see what's possible so that you have like an array of options that you know you can try to choose from and move toward. Yeah, absolutely. And for me, you know, I went into it thinking first that I was going to be in New York City and I was working with these two amazing OBs, some of the, the best in the industry. And I thought I would give birth in the hospital in, in New York. And then the pandemic happened and I came out to Arizona. I packed a bag just for one month, a suitcase with one month worth of stuff <laughs> in it. And that was over six months ago. And then I joined a, a midwife practice out here with the birth center. and. Then after my water had been broken for 24 hours, I had to transfer to the hospital. And, you know, in my mind, I had already decided no matter what happened, I was going to be happy with the outcome, that I wasn't going to put judgment on how I gave birth, that all, as long as the baby and I are both healthy, that that is an amazing outcome. And so I got to the hospital And it had been, you know, like 26 hours by that time, by the time that they had tested me for COVID and my test results came back and then I moved into my own room. And I was like, so tell me about this epidural thing. (laughs) Like, (laughs) you know, I I think I'm I'm curious about that. What, What are the ingredients in it? And they told me, you know, this and that and fentanyl. And before going into labor, all of this, I was like, I am not going to do an epidural with fentanyl. And then I'm in the moment after, you know, 26, 27 plus hours of of labor. And I was like, yeah, I think I'll try one of those. It's really humbling, isn't it? To all the stories and judgments and things that we are and aren't going to do until you're actually in the moment. And you're like, oh, huh. Yeah. And then I got one and, you know, my labor... It, I had been talking to you kind of along the way. I'm like, oh, they want me to drink this castor oil stuff. I don't know. I've heard so many horror stories about it. Well, I drank it and that didn't get labor going fast enough to give birth in the 24 hours. And, you know, so I, I got to the hospital, I got the epidural, and then I was able to sleep for a few hours. And in that time, just let my body recharge and when I woke up, I had dilated, like, I think I was at eight by then and just kind of ready to get going. And I felt good. So for me, like when I, when it came time to push and everything, I felt energized. I put on my playlist with some like uplifting kind of workout type of music to get me jazzed to, to push. And I loved it. And I, it was a really great experience and my nurses were incredible around me. And I think, you know, a lot of what you talk about is feeling empowered and I felt really empowered in my birth and I'm grateful for that. So how I, I want to hear about your empowered birth, everything that you're doing around this movement and which you kind of started during the pandemic. Can you tell me a little bit about about what you're up to these days with that? Yeah. Right when the pandemic was first kind of gearing up, one of my patients, who is actually a patient because she has severe anxiety disorder 
and she had some fertility challenges, was pregnant with her second baby. I've helped her along the way for a bunch of years now. First baby after the fertility challenges, second baby. And of course, you know, like when you're pregnant, you know, you, you just get more anxieties. There are more things to think about and to be concerned about and sort out. And so add to that a woman with a severe anxiety disorder. I was doing a lot of support for her through the pregnancy around that. And then the pandemic hit and she was called by her hospital and told that she could not have her husband or her doula with her. Now, this was caused just like one of the early reports of this happening. It was about a month before it like even hit the New York Times that this was happening. And imagine like that's so anxiety producing for any person and then add an anxiety disorder to that. But ultimately they did have let her have her husband and not the doula. Oh, good. And she had a beautiful like few hour birth in the hospital. Everything went beautifully. But that got me keyed into talking to people around the country. Are you hearing this? Are you hearing this? And then I saw a petition that was going around that was happening in New York because so many people were being told you have to go into the hospital and give birth by yourself with just a support team there. But as we all know, the support teams were already tapped pretty early in. So, and yes, women, you know, we see like women, images of women back in the day going into the bush or in tribal communities going into the bush and having your baby. But that's a very unique situation where women have watched people give birth their whole life. It's not typical. Most people birth around the world with other women there. So I saw that this was happening. And what I realized is this is like, I understood why the hospitals were wanting to limit who was coming in, but it was actually an infringement of human rights because women couldn't make informed decisions. They couldn't follow the baby if the baby needed to go to the neonatal ICU or even just, you know, to be taken for observation. Like there was no support. And so I started to get active online around, I created a hashtag. It just kind of happened spontaneously one evening, this hashtag, hashtag I deserve birth support on Facebook. And the response was overwhelming. And it's, I started hearing how much support women and birthing couples and birthing people needed. And so, you know, I just went right into sort of my midwife mode, stepping up to support birthing people. And I was like, all right, well, let's create a Facebook page and let's just do like free once a week. We'll do a meetup, which became twice a week, which became these recorded classes. And within a couple of months, we had like 40 hours of recorded classes that have been 100% free. Wow. It's all on Facebook. Um, we did a weekly support group where I was doing it at first, just once a week on Thursday at one Eastern time. But then pretty soon, a lot of my students and graduates from my women's professional training program were volunteering. So we had lactation consultants, nurse midwives, doulas, tried to have like representative diversity. We really wanted to make sure that we were also reaching out to the most vulnerable in this crisis, which was going to be Black or Black Indigenous people of color who were birthing already so disenfranchised, already at risk for things like preeclampsia, high blood pressure, to make sure those folks were getting education and advocacy. So now we have 9,000 people who have signed up for this free program. And to make it more sustainable, we are going to actually switch. We are in the process of switching to a membership platform where you would pay a very affordable annual rate. We're going to keep doing the prenatal support group, prenatal birth support group. And then we're adding in a postpartum new mom support group. And one really important caveat is that it's always going to be free, no questions asked for anyone who can't afford it. So that's incredible. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. And honestly, more than anything, it's the stories that I hear. And um, we had one woman, African American woman, who had taken the course and she had a fine birth. And then after the birth, she started having symptoms that seemed like preeclampsia. She told her doctor and the team, but they were dismissing her. And she said because of the class, she knew that that's what it was. And she knew how to advocate for herself. And she's like, I'm pretty sure this saved my life. And I mean, it's just one of so many beautiful, amazing, like everything. Yeah, from, wow. I had an epidural, but I felt really empowered about it too. I had a 12-pound vaginal birth VBAC with 
no epidural in the hospital to I've always wanted to have a home birth and my family was really judgmental before, but now with the pandemic, I feel so supported and I just had a home birth. It's been so beautiful. Yeah. And I, that's really incredible because I know throughout my pregnancy, if I had questions and I didn't want to bug you, I would just <laughs> go to Google and type in the topic or my question plus Dr. Viva Ram. And you have so much information about all different topics when it comes to women's health in general and pregnancy. Um, so it's amazing that you, you put this together in an organized way to share with people. And because I, I do think that one of the reasons why I felt empowered was because I was informed that I had had done the research in advance and I knew I had already weighed pros and cons of epidural and things like that beforehand and knew the risks and knew what questions to ask. So even though I, I wasn't planning on it, I I still felt empowered making that choice because I it wasn't like I was in that moment thinking, should I Google this or call Aviva about it? Well, first of all, you are never bugging me. You should know that. <laughs> You're never bugging me. And also, I, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, when you look at the statistics on things like birth trauma or birth PTSD, which a lot of women now experience, it's not usually about what happened. It's not about that they had a C-section. It's not about that they had an intervention. It's how it happened. How, like, they were told they had to without being given appropriate information or decision-making time. And often not in a, like, dire emergency but even in a dire emergency, you should be educated and given the right to, you have the legal right to agree or disagree regardless, uh, and you should never be judged for it. So it's, it's people who feel bullied or mistreated, and that's where the empowerment and advocacy is so important and the ability to, like you said, make a decision about what you want. And if you don't know what's out there, how do you make that decision. So that's what the classes are. Um, they start with prenatal. Well, actually, you know, we started with birth because so many women were about to birth in that environment of not being sure they were even going to have a support person. And then we went into postpartum and because so many women were, or people were struggling with, okay, well now I have a baby and my mom can't come help me or my best friend or sister. I'm going to be home right. alone, closed in with a baby. And that is such a high-risk environment if you're not supported for depression, anxiety, just feeling overwhelmed. And then we retrofitted, I retrofitted in all the birth classes. And it was really, really a beautiful. I just got an email the other day from a woman from Pakistan, where it was just like reaching all over the world with this, from wow. Pakistan saying she had a C-section with her first baby. She really wanted to have a V-back with this baby. And she took the class and she had felt very traumatized by how the C-section happened the first time. Like she wasn't informed enough and mm. felt very kind of left out of the decision-making. And she said this time she had the vaginal birth, everything went beautifully. But what was so important is we did this trauma healing class. And she said it was so transformative for her. It's yeah. been really cool. It's just been so rewarding. And the team of, of support people have shown up for the support group. It's, it's very much needed. And that was one thing that when I switched to the midwife practice, what came along with it was they had this community of a chiropractor that specialized in prenatal chiropractic. And also they, after I gave birth, then she also saw my baby to make sure everything was aligned with the baby because going through the birth canal is quite a journey and it can be yeah. hard on your joints and alignment. An acupuncturist, a nutritionist, a lactation consultant, like this entire community of people that you need to support you when you're going through this. My big dream you know, you asked kind of at the beginning what I was doing next. You know, my big dream when I went from being a midwife to going to medical school and the idea to come out was to create this kind of wellness collective in a sense around women's health needs and prenatal and birth and postpartum. And obviously with the pandemic and just how so much has shifted, I kind of like my next vision is to create this virtual prenatal birth, postpartum kind of support continuum of actually taking my medical practice and extending that care into an online group care model. So 
TB, cool. TBD on how and when that happens, but that's well, hopefully it'll be ready to go when I have another child. If, wow. if I'm so blessed <laughs> to have one, I hope. To, I hope You're so. Thinking ahead, I love it. I mean, after after I gave birth, I was like, "Wow, that was awesome! I'm ready to. I let's do it again." And that's amazing. I hear you know that it's different. Each each baby is different. Each birth experience is different, but. You know, I just, I loved it and came out super excited. You gave me so much support throughout my entire journey and called you while I was going through miscarriage. And then when I was, you know, having some struggles with fertility and we we talked about how to like care for my body and nutrition and these types of things. And I'd love to share, dive a little bit into that knowledge and information and then if people want to go deeper obviously they can go onto your site or join your group but I think you know one of the things that you told both me and Danielle when we were talking about all right we want to have a baby we want to have babies what what do we need to do and the first thing you said was to start well to start like six months in advance prepping the body so can you give me, okay, I'm calling you up on the phone, Aviva. I'm yep. <laughs> saying, I want to have a baby. What do I need to start doing? I remember you calling me that and asking me that. Before I answer that, I want to just hit pause for one minute on sure. our conversation, if you don't mind, and just not like pause, go off the air. But yeah, I really want to take a minute to honor you. I think that it's a lot to be a woman in the wellness space. There's a lot of expectation of sort of everything being natural and everything being perfect and curated in a certain way. And there are so many women, I mean, I know as a physician in this space, there are a lot of women who, with all right to you know keep their information to themselves, go through miscarriages and fertility challenges and maybe choose to have an epidural, but don't disclose it because they don't feel like it fits with their brand or personal image. And it takes a lot of courage and a lot of honesty and a lot of transparency and also a tremendous amount of generosity in that you're giving permission to other people to have their real experience, be their lived experience and share it. And there's so much non-disclosure and so much secrecy. And I think that creates a lot of shame and taboo. So I just want to honor you for that sentence you said, I had a miscarriage. I went through a fertility challenge. You know, it's thank you for that for on behalf of all everyone listening. It's so important. Thank you. No, it's hard to talk about these things. You know, it really is. And I think the more we talk about them, the easier it gets, because it does feel a bit taboo. And I even had um, a friend, he's a little bit older and male, tell me, you know, you shouldn't share that information about a miscarriage. Like, definitely don't don't put, post that on your Instagram, which I haven't really posted about it on my Instagram yet. I'm planning to, but I've just been busy. But I have done an entire podcast about my fertility journey because I think that it is important for women to not feel alone, just like what you were talking about before, to know that other women are going through journeys, that this really is a journey and that it doesn't look perfect. It doesn't look like the perfect Instagram post. That's not life. And, you know, even talking about my skin journey, which seems, I don't know, even almost a little bit silly to me that I was scared to talk about my acne for so long and I wanted to hide that and keep that a secret but that speaking up about it became it helped propel this mission that we're on to help people in their lives and transform lives and so I feel compelled to continue to share my personal journey if it's going to help other other people in I their love own that. I love that you're doing that and our friend, our mutual friend, Gabby Bernstein, I think she's also influenced me and she talks about her postpartum depression and taking medications for it and that there is a lot of, I don't know, kind of shame in this wellness world if you go down the traditional medical path and not the more wellnessy way. Absolutely. And her ability to be transparent about what she went through is really important also. 
Yeah. And for those listening, if you haven't heard her story, we also did a podcast with Gabby Bernstein, where she talks about that and which is really inspiring and moving. But I, I agree. I think, you know, in my blessing, in my baby blessing, you told me, don't make it perfect that, you know, my Capricorn ways of wanting things to be organized and perfect. You said, just let it be. I mean, it's so unfortunate, right? We have these experiences in life that are hard, right? I mean, I, as a physician and wellness person and doing natural pediatrics, one of my kids went through a really hard time as a teenager with cutting and drinking and depression. And I remember feeling a lot of shame, you know, a lot of like, well, this is inconsistent with what I teach about. And are people going to think that what I have to offer isn't somehow adequate or like, I'm a fraud. And I was like, wow, I mean, I'm judging myself so hard when this is part of the journey and it's not just my journey or something I did right or wrong. It's her journey too. And how do we show up for the journey and the people on the journey? And when we hide those parts away, we're making only one thing. Like we're only making only one perfect, perfect outcome that doesn't exist acceptable. And then we're shutting off all these other powerful lived experiences that often help us gain important human skills and sensitivities too. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So back to me, I'm at my kitchen counter and you (laughs) called me and said, I'm ready to have a baby. Yeah. And so, okay, the six months ahead. Now, just to to be real, 50% of all pregnancies in the United States are unplanned. And that's not just like horny teenagers or 20-somethings. That's like women in their early 40s too. That runs the whole gamut. And so the ideal, yes, if you're planning to have a baby and you know ahead of time that you want to- Or maybe if you're struggling. Or if you're struggling, absolutely. Yes. And you you want to optimize. Or even if you're just in your childbearing age is and you're having sex and there's, if you are, there's a chance you could get pregnant and you just want to know that you're kind of fortifying ahead of time, you're nourishing nourishing and supporting should that happen. Um, I like that six-month window, particularly if somebody wants to do any like detoxing, for example. Let's say somebody does know they've been exposed to something or have had a lifelong of exposures and they want to take three months to sort of clean up their diet, if you will, clear out their home environment, you know, shift up their cosmetics, do a little bit of like a Saqqara level two kind of thing, that sort of thing. I like the idea of six months out because then you're doing that for three months and then you're not getting pregnant while you're like clearing stuff out of your system because everything we're clearing out, we're downloading to our babies basically because we're sharing a circulation. So I like that idea of like three months of that attention to just clearing it all up, you know, changing to phthalate free or BPS free body products or you know, fragrance free, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. And then three months, like then you're also starting the nourishing path at that time, really eating healthy. And then then you've got that three months ahead of trying to get pregnant where it's like, oh, we tried once and we didn't get pregnant. Now we're worrying if we have a fertility problem. You're actually giving it a few months. Like you're like, I'm going to give us a few months, no pressure. And during that time, you're really starting to nourish. And particularly when it comes to folic acid or methylfolate, the methylated form that is important if you have the MTHFR gene, which we can talk more about if you want, or I've got a whole podcast on that over at my website. But getting that folic acid on board before you're pregnant is really important if you can, because it's the first 28 days that that baby's nervous system is really laying down the major tracks. And so you want to already have that. Oh, wow. You might not even know that you're pregnant in those first 28 days. Exactly. You might not even know. You might not be getting folic acid from anything else. And so I really recommend getting on a prenatal vitamin three months ahead of time, really eating healthily. You don't have to be perfect in your diet, but, you know, eat healthy food, avoid things like high mercury fish those big exposures that we know can have a harmful impact. And a probiotic is great at that time because we know it supports vaginal health, fertility, conception, reduces miscarriage risk, et cetera. And then fish oil, because that's so important for baby's brain development. So, and then basic things like getting enough vitamin D is important for hormonal health, which 
you don't usually get enough vitamin D, for example, just in a prenatal vitamin. So bumping that up, especially a bit. if you're in New York City, right? Especially, and interesting, like there was a study done. Um, it was done on Asian women, so the the sushi consumption might be even higher. But there was a study done on women in New York and sushi consumption about five or seven years ago, showing that just from sushi consumption, which New Yorkers are pretty known for also, or have mm-hmm. been at various times in history, had higher than acceptable blood level limits of mercury. So these little changes, whether it's eating more organics, or if you eat meat or dairy, at least making those organic we know that you can wash out a lot of those environmental toxins, herbicides, pesticides in just a week. We know that you can improve your your microbiome in a short period of time, a week, two weeks. So those are some of those things. And then also, yeah. it's a really great time if you're going to kind of go to the next level even to do start to unpack, you know, like we were talking about birth stories earlier, like mm-hmm. if you're being an indie mom, if you're going at it, you're, you know, going to it, uh, be a mom solo you know, unpacking your stuff around your own relationship with your mother, your experience of your body. If you're in a partnered relationship, the partner also unpacking that stuff because their experience also influences how they engage with you around pregnancy or what their expectations are. So doing some of that emotional unpacking as part of that kind of six-month journey is, no, is beautiful if you can do it. And then anywhere, if it's four months, if it's three months, if it's two months, Whenever. And I do really recommend all women in their childbearing years get a either a prenatal vitamin, just be on a prenatal vitamin all the time because like it just bumps you up a little bit or um, at least take a, vit- a vitamin that has a good dose, like 800 to 1000 micrograms of methylfolate in it. All right. So Sakara, as you are well aware, yes. we launched our new prenatal, which I'm I'm really excited about our our prenatal because it's not just a multivitamin. I think so many prenatals out there are just a multivitamin. And this contains a multivitamin, but it's a pack of pills. So you're getting the omega, like you talked about, a vegan omega instead of the fish oil. You're getting minerals. I I think minerals are highly underrated especially magnesium. And you're getting that probiotic in there that you, like you talked about and all of it in an easy packet. So just really making it easy for women to get what they need into their bodies. And so we have the foundation and we have the prenatal and I think both are great to be on whenever you're starting to think about getting your body ready, right? Absolutely. And just so everyone listening knows, we're not, I'm not a paid endorser of Sakara. <laughs> I'm a friend. So everything yeah. I'm saying is, I mean, is why you created the prenatal, right? You guys needed it. You, we had these conversations about like, well, what's in a good prenatal? And, you know, so just yeah, like, which you so were definitely knows. somebody that we have been learning from about what makes a good prenatal and what nutrients a mama needs and a baby needs. I love that you and Danielle have been friends since you were kids and that you're on this mama journey together and that you created this nourishing prenatal together. It's pretty beautiful. Yeah, it's really exciting. And we're so happy that we get to share it with more people that we learn from our experiences and then get to get to share it so that hopefully, you know, other people feel supported. I had my first baby. He's 35, almost 30. He's 35. Oh, goodness. It's amazing to think. And he, uh, at the time, I was a vegetarian. And this was in 1985. There was so little guidance on what to eat during pregnancy other than, you know, drink milk every day and take a Flintstones vitamin kind of thing. It was very bizarre. Or take like a pharmaceutical prescribed vitamin, which I wasn't going to do. I was like already super health conscious, obviously. And I remember feeling really scared because when I was vegetarian, there was no guideline for that around being a pregnant vegetarian. There was just so little information. And I remember just also having a lot of prenatal nausea that first trimester and feeling really anxious. Is my baby getting enough? Is my baby getting enough? Is my baby getting the right stuff to grow? So it was really anxiety provoking for me. I think that I was much more nervous about that than, for example, planning for a home birth for whatever reason. And I think had there been 
a prenatal vitamin that I like knew I was getting everything in one place, that would have also been really reassuring. Yeah. Especially when you are nauseated and you can't eat as much. And I mean, the reality is baby's going to get what the baby needs for the most part, but you really are. I mean, all the studies on prenatal vitamins show that you're more likely to have a full-term baby with a healthy size, much less likely to have preterm labor and other complications. And the value is definitely well proven. And I just think that it's like a little bit, I know that ideally, and you know, you guys talk about this in Sakara, I talk about this in my work, that food is our first source of nutrition. But often the lifestyles we live or things like prenatal nausea that keep you from eating all your food um, for mm-hmm. a couple of months sometimes, we do need that little extra it's like an insurance policy, you know what I mean? It's just yeah, reassurance policy. And I think one thing that you said that I think about even now with breastfeeding is that the baby is going to get what it needs. And so what that means is that if you're not getting everything that you need from your nutrition, from your supplements, uh, that the baby is going to take what it needs from you and then yeah. you can end up Depleted. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And that when you're depleted of nutrients, I think as women, it can be easy to just think of the baby and not take care of yourself. But if you do want to have more children in the future, if you're depleted of nutrients, that can impact fertility and health of a baby and things like that as well. So if you need that little bit of not thinking of yourself in order to get you motivated. I'll say that to women. What do I have to, who do I have to tell you to take care of? Who do I have to tell you that you taking care of yourself is going to benefit to get you to take care of yourself? Exactly. Yes, definitely future fertility, but also just like your mood, your energy, your breast milk production, so many, your thyroid, your hair health, all of the things that can take a hit or not be optimized. And, you know, I have this PowerPoint that I use to teach professionals. And I talk about this in the online class that we were talking about earlier, that there's like 14 nutrients that most U.S. women go into pregnancy already low in. So bumping ourselves up, no pun intended with a bump, you know, before Mm -hmm. we get pregnant and then throughout pregnancy, often it's just getting us to where we're meant to be as human beings, but with modern diets and lifestyles, we're kind of always living at this like slightly undernourished place. Yeah. Well, I would love to ask you about postpartum nutrition. Mm -hmm. I know we only have time for just a little bit more here. So I want to get your thoughts on postpartum nutrition. What should I be focusing on now that I've given birth and I'm breastfeeding? Yeah. So I think the biggest risk is that postpartum, so many women want to bounce back, which Mm. we could do a whole episode on that term alone and what that means. Like this idea that we're getting back to somehow pre-pregnant instead of honoring stretch marks or changes in our body now. So a lot of women, they get afraid to not bounce back and get their pre-pregnancy body weight back. Pre-baby body. Yeah. Pre-baby body back. And so they start skimping on food and especially on carbs. And yet carbs are so important to create neurotransmitters like serotonin that keep our mood healthy and help us avert depression, but also important for breast milk production. So one important thing to remember is your body weight will come off naturally over the first three to four months just by breastfeeding, resuming normal activity and eating well. And you're often, I don't know about you, Whitney, I was, I could have eaten two plates of food sometimes when I was breastfeeding. I mean, I was really, I ate a lot when I was breastfeeding and yet. I'm getting hungry right now as we're talking. (laughs) I mean, you can eat a lot. And it's interesting Mm -hmm. because during pregnancy, I know like we don't count calories as part of the work that we do and what we educate women about, but on a scientific level during pregnancy, your first and second trimester unless you're carrying twins, you almost don't even need to increase your calories at all. It's really the nutrients. Third trimester, the calorie equivalent increase, the calorie increase is considered equivalent to just let's say like how it's standardly measured, a glass of milk and a half a peanut butter sandwich. So that's by third trimester. So you don't need to increase your calories that much to meet the pregnancy needs. But breastfeeding, interestingly, your calorie needs go up 
300 calories a day over the end of pregnancy because producing that breast milk takes so much more energy. So being mindful to eat when you're hungry, not skimp, not feel afraid to eat carbs, and then keep on your prenatal vitamin. Your prenatal vitamin is going to have what you need um, to support your continued nutritional needs and to continue to get into your breast milk what your baby needs. And then if you did um, not so much food, but if you had a C-section or antibiotics during labor, then a probiotic and probiotic foods as part of your postpartum nutritional plan can be really helpful for preventing yeast infections and thrush and helpful for baby too. Um, And then always, always, you know, making sure, especially when you are pregnant or postpartum, you know, I remember being pregnant and just wanting way more carbs like pasta. It's important to listen to her body, but it's also important to listen to our bodies pregnancy wise and postpartum, but also to really make sure postpartum to get plenty of fresh vegetables, especially if you struggle or lean toward constipation, but also just to get all those important eat a rainbow nutrients, um, the nutrients, but also the phytochemicals, like those antioxidant chemicals that help with inflammation and just help support our vibrant energy. And I think it's so true what you were saying about the fear of, am I going to be able to lose the baby weight and get my body back type of thing. And then looking at Instagram and seeing all these posts of women who look like they did pre-baby, like nothing had ever happened. And I'm definitely not in that place. You know, I'm three months postpartum. I'm still carrying about an extra 25 pounds on me. And I think I, it, I'm i just taking the same perspective on this as... I would on any other day, which is I trust my body. I believe that my body is highly intelligent and it knows what it's doing, that it's providing for my baby. My baby is very, he's a big boy, very healthy. <laughs> and and how he grows every day, you know, comes from the food that I'm providing him out of my own body, which is absolutely insane to me. And, you know, just to, to finish what I was saying of like at knowing your tools of how to get back to feeling really good and getting back to feeling like your body where I am not scared of like, am I going to keep this weight on me forever and not like feel like myself in my body? Because I know that when I get back into the flow of eating my Saqqara meals on a regular basis and then when it comes to working out, regaining my strength like how can I regain the strength that I had before and the body shape will do whatever it does um but that I just I want to feel strong I want to feel healthy I want to feel energized and that's where I'm putting my focus and just trusting that my body is smart and doing what it needs to do to provide for me and my baby it sounds like this birth experience, well, the pregnancy and birth experience for you has really elevated your body confidence. Yeah, which it's funny. I, I totally agree with you. And I think it's because I feel like my body has more of a purpose to it than just being a physical object of sexuality or aesthetics. And it's it's also made me think that you don't have to have a baby to appreciate your body like that. That our bodies are, it's a miracle that we wake up every day and our body functions the way that it does or that we have our health. It is a blessing and a miracle. And so I think it would be great if we can start to appreciate the functionality of our bodies and just how amazing they are rather than what they look like. You know, I was teaching at a conference a few years back and there were about 500 women in the group and all ages, all backgrounds. And there was one woman there who I know her personally, and she was about 72 at the time. And I asked the group just for a show of hand, I said, everyone close your eyes. If you're comfortable, close your eyes, just close your eyes and put your hand in the air. If at any time in the past few weeks, you've walked by a mirror or caught a glimpse of yourself in like a reflection of a store window and judged yourself. And every single hand, 
And I've done this at many, you know, many events. Subsequent, every single hand went up in the air, including the woman who was 72, who is a wellness, revered alternative wellness space woman who does work around body awareness. And I had everyone then open their eyes and look around and literally every hand is raised. And I remember around that time having a very judgmental thought about my body, like not being in the kind of shape I wanted to be in. And then I was, because so I was probably, because I'm 54, so I was maybe like 51 when this happened. And then thinking back to when I was in my 30s and how I would now at 54, I would say, oh my gosh, I would give anything to be 30 again. And look how I looked when I was in my 30s. But when I was in my 30s, I was probably thinking that about my 20s. And I remember having this really distinct thought of like, at what point in our lives as women do we lay down the inner judgment and actually just love and appreciate ourselves. And it was, you know, those moments when you have that thought that you just feel like it fills up your whole being with a a greater truth than yourself. And it was like that for me of like, okay, at some point, you know, when you're 70, you're going to think, oh, I wish I looked like I was 50. And so why not just all start right now, wherever we are? Why not start now? Appreciate your youth. You're never going to be younger than you are today. Appreciate your body in whatever shape or size it's in. Because I think, yeah, I have more perspective now of like, I look at pictures that I used to judge so much and be like, wow, why didn't I feel good in in that time in my life when I looked like that? It is so powerful though, what you said about you stopped objectifying yourself and started embodying yeah. yourself as a great a being with more purpose. And it's not just birth or breastfeeding either. It's like the purpose that you're bringing to the world. And we internalize objectifying ourselves so young. Yeah. I don't know the answer of how to just make that happen. Still working on it, but hopefully we can all empower each other to do this a little bit more. I want to end with your top three tips for each stage. I don't. I know this is probably hard to narrow it down, but three tips for fertility, three tips for pregnancy, three tips for postpartum. Okay. So three tips for fertility would be one, particularly if you're in a, a relationship with a partner that you're trying to get pregnant with, is get juicy about having sex. Like, don't make sex mechanical just about getting pregnant. Stay in the love and romantic and sexy part of it to the extent that you can so that trying to get mm-hmm. pregnant doesn't just become mechanical and a chore. Um, give yourself time. I mean, statistically, most people who try to become pregnant will become, 90% of people will become pregnant within two years, um, regardless of fertility treatment. So you might not want to wait that long if you're struggling, but Give yourself time before you judge yourself with the diagnosis. And three, I really would say start with a prenatal vitamin and eating well, eating to the standard that you would eat if you're pregnant for the most part. It doesn't mean you can't ever have a a vodka switchel. It doesn't mean you can't ever have the French fry, but for the most part, like 95%, make it a healthy preconception diet. Yes. For pregnancy, I think the first tip is to keep your vision on what you want for yourself and your pregnancy and your birth. And at the same time, surrender to the process because every baby has their own story. Every pregnancy is their own journey. And the more we can surrender and be in the path of least resistance, and it doesn't mean give up your power, but give up your like clenching. David has to be a certain way and go with it more enjoy the little moments of it. There can be challenges, nausea, discomforts, but revel in feeling your baby move. You know, if you're so privileged to have a healthy pregnancy, revel in those moments. Take precious time to yourself while you can journal, walk, go out and do the things that you would really love to do with your partner, but really appreciate that time together or alone if you're doing it alone or with your partner. And three, I guess three would be a combination of eating really well, continuing to eat really well, and moving. 
so often we want to give birth naturally. We want things to be more natural, but we're not living a lifestyle the way our grandmothers or great grandmothers would, which was actually quite physical. They squatted, they scrubbed on hands and knees. So they were on all fours. They walked, they moved, they weren't sedentary. So yeah, my grandma was out farming and gardening and very active. And she had five kids. So, you know, and then for each kid taking care of the other children uh, and the household and all of that. Yes. Get physical. And I'm sorry, I'm going to have one more for pregnancy too, which is surround yourself with positive people. And they don't have to just be positive, like la la positive, but people who are going to, who are going to reinforce your power and your strength and your beauty back to you. Postpartum, no woman, no birthing no new mom is an island. So particularly with COVID, if you can't be around other people, have a posse, whether it's, you know, the support group I offer online, whether it's another support group, whether it's your close posse of friends, but stay connected and be real. Like if you're struggling, if it's hard, just be real, reach out for the support and be real. Number two is rest when the baby rests. Because it's so easy to feel like, oh, this is what I'm going to clean the house or this is when I'm going to do my work. But you do need rest to stay kind of balanced and in your mood and your mind. And three is just be gentle with yourself. Do not judge yourself. Do not expect yourself to have all the answers. There's no one way. There's no right and wrong. We have got to continually as new moms be forgiving to ourselves, gentle on ourselves, stay soft with ourselves. I love that. I love that so much. That is a good reminder for me. The same kind of attitude that I went into birth with. I think I need to remember that now for Are you pushing yourself? Are you? Yeah. And I think, you know, this is actually day two coming back to work. I'm just on Zoom and I'm still home in Arizona, but it's definitely a challenge. And, you know, thinking, okay, when do I fit in? work, feeding him, and now taking care of a whole nother being and his doctor appointments and things like that, plus wanting to take care of myself and finding time to work out and build back that strength and, I don't know, do all of the things and then take care of the relationship. It just, it turns into a lot. It's almost like being realistic about the things that you can get done and how much we can really get done in a day and finding a way to pace yourself and then listening inward, right? When we need to hit pause, we just hit pause or we need to hydrate or get some food yeah. or take a bio break or your breasts are feeling tingly and it's time <laughs> to nurse the baby. But it is, I had, yes. a, I had a client long ago, one of my first ever midwifery clients, I was like 21 years old and she was older having her third baby And she was this very spiritual woman. She and her husband were both doctors. She was a psychiatrist from Puerto Rico. And I remember her saying to me in in her beautiful way of speaking and her beautiful accent, she said, Aviva, because I I was having my third baby. And she's like, in the United States, everyone says life is short. Life is short. You have to fit everything in. And she said, we say life is long. And I remember her saying it just gave me this sense of expansion and breathing room that I so needed as a young mom. Yeah. No, that's There's just time. There's time for everything, even if it doesn't feel like it right now. Yeah, that's a great reminder. And uh, it doesn't need to look perfect. It'll all work out. Absolutely. It sounds just like trust. you're really finding uh, finding your way through, Whitney. And it's just such a it's been a delight and pleasure, and just fun little moments of watching you and Danielle over the past what, like five years now of knowing you guys and and being friends all that time and watching you on these journeys. It's so special. No, we really appreciate your support and your knowledge and wisdom that you share with us and that you're sharing with so many women now all across the world. I think it's, it's an important time to share this knowledge and it's important that women have it. So I'm so happy that you're doing what you're doing and that you're yeah, continue to be supportive of Sakara on our science council. And I would love for you to share some light work with our listeners. Our light work, as you know, mm-hmm. is something that helps our Sakara lights shine their light a little bit brighter. So 
I think my favorite personal light work that I do for myself is something I call the quickie, which sounds pretty funny and it's not that, but mm-hmm. um, it's a little meditation and you can do it now or, you know, remember it and do it later. But if we have just, it doesn't take long, like 30 seconds, we can do it. Just yeah, put, let's do it. Yeah, just put your feet on the ground or if you're sitting on the floor, just like feel your butt on the ground, but feel, feel yourself connecting to the ground. And um, if you're comfortable closing your eyes, close your eyes. And then just take a few natural breaths. Inhale deeply, exhale deeply, in through your nose, out through your mouth. So we'll just do that a few times together. In through your nose. Out through your mouth. Now add on being conscious to do an inhale to the count of four and an exhale to the count of eight. Like you don't have to actually count it out, but kind of feel that rhythm. Inhale four, exhale eight. Just do that twice. Now, as you're doing this, your brain is connecting to your nervous system, to your adrenals, And you're just creating this calmer, parasympathetic nervous response. So you're out of fight or flight and you're into this deeper calm. So one more inhale to the count of four. And exhale to the count of eight. Then on the next one, as you inhale, say to yourself, I am. And on the exhale, that longer exhale, at peace. So inhale, I am. Exhale at peace. In that four eight rhythm, and let's just do that together four times. So inhale, I am, and exhale, you're imagining you're saying to yourself, at peace. One more. And then when you're ready, open your eyes. It's such a quick reset if you're stuck in traffic or waiting at the grocery line or having a moment where you read some COVID statistics and you're feeling anxious or your baby won't stop crying and you're feeling frustrated. We're in a moment with your partner or a client or anything. It's a really quick reset. And then if you're having trouble falling asleep at night, or if you wake up in the night and have trouble falling back to sleep, I usually recommend like in general, when you're doing that practice, just do the set of four. Inhale, I am. Exhale at peace. Like four times, that would be one series. But in those wee hours when sleep is a is a problem, you can just keep doing it. And it's such a great remedy for falling back to sleep. That's beautiful. I feel floaty and like my energy has shifted. So thank you for sharing that. And thank you for sharing all that you have shared with us today. Um, feeling empowered, whether you're giving birth or any time in your life, especially as a woman is so important. And I think these are some great tips that you shared today to help women feel empowered through all the different stages of birth and excited to see more about your, your program and continuing to help women feel empowered in their lives. Thank you, mama. Thank you for sharing me with your Sakara community. Thank you all for listening to this extra special episode of the Sakara Life podcast. I know Aviva gave you all a light work exercise that I absolutely love, and I hope that you did it along with us. But I wanted to give one more light work of my own. I hope that's okay, Aviva. I think when we're talking about our own self judgment that we have every day, It just made me think about how important of a a conversation it is to have on this and what can we do to make shifts in our daily life 
to shift from a self-judgment mentality into a self-empowerment mentality. So I want to give this little light work to all of you and also to myself of when you're walking by that mirror or that window glass, like Aviva was talking about, to start to listen to what those messages are that you're sending yourself. Start to bring awareness. Are they positive messages? Are they negative messages? And then to shift what you're saying to yourself. And I know this is hard to do. It's hard for me to do. And so I'm going to tell myself when I look in the mirror and start to see myself judging the new extra little rolls I have here or, you know, some little pudge or in places that I didn't have before to just say, I love you. Thank you. To start appreciating my body and you can start appreciating your body for what it does and what it's done and not so much for what it looks like because our bodies are amazing and we can appreciate and love them just the way that they are today. So I hope that that light work helps you shine your light a little bit brighter. I'm going to work on it. Would love to hear from you on how it's going. Feel free to reach out to us on through Instagram, through email, and I hope to hear from you. If you have a Sakara story that you would like to share with us, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email at sakarastories at sakaralife.com. That's S-A-K-A-R-A-S-T-O-R-I-E-S at sakaralife.com or send us a DM at sakaralife. Don't forget to hit subscribe for the Sakara Life podcast and share this episode with anyone you think needs to hear what we talked about today. And don't forget about the light work. It might feel a little hard, a little uncomfortable, but it's supposed to. The whole idea is that we lean into what's uncomfortable so we all get to shine our lights a little brighter. And we'll see you on the other side, Sakara Lights. Mm-hmm.